invite you to join me in the book of Philippians. Had someone tell me today they thought Philippians only had three chapters, but we're in chapter four, so you can figure that out with me. Kyler, are you going to Children's Church? Okay, bye-bye. Because no one's paying attention to me till he's gone, so... Let's start off with our theme passage, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. I'm sure some of you have it memorized. If you do, glance away and let's say it together. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And you probably heard I didn't get it quite right. How many of you got it right? Some of you did. Some of you did. Good job. Every interaction with Scripture demands a response from us. I've said that before. I'm going to keep saying it because we keep needing to hear it. Every interaction with Scripture demands a response from us. There is not one verse in the Bible that you can look at and say, oh, that verse doesn't impact how I think or live. Now, on the surface, some verses do look like that. But there is not one that you can say biblically, well, that doesn't apply to me. You may look at today's verse, we're in, in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. You may look at today's verse and go, well, I'm not anxious. I don't deal with worry or depression or anything like that, so this verse isn't for me. I can snooze. No, every verse is important for every believer. And that's not just me making a blanket statement. That's what we understand Paul to say when he wrote 2 Timothy 3.16, right? He says, all scripture, how much of it? All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture has some form of application for us. All of it. Now, it's true that some passages are less direct to us than others, and that may be the case for a part of this verse for you today. But the reality is, is either we struggle with anxiety or we know someone who does, And this verse helps us. All of Scripture is from the mouth of God. All of God's Word informs us how we are to live or how we to help others. Uh, All of God's Word informs us how to to train others or to to be godly or to be godly ourselves. 
In today's passage, Paul interconnects two rather large subjects, that of anxiety and that of prayer. And he does so really within a verse. I mean, we've got a paragraph that we're working with, and we, we will get to the rest of it as we go. Uh, but in very short order, deals with two very, very large subjects. So it's true. We are not going to talk about every facet of prayer today. And we are not going to talk about every aspect of anxiety or discouragement today. But this is the touchstone, prayer and worry. So my goal today is to expand both of these subjects in a bit of, to an extent, in a way that's true to Scripture, so that we might indeed be able to apply even this verse to our lives. Would you read our passage, our verse for today with me? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Many of you know it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to see your hand at work through the pages of Scripture, how, how you desire to change and mold us through this verse of Scripture. Father, we live in a world that is more and more anxious. And, and much of that is our own doing. Father, help us as believers in Christ to stand separate from the world, recognizing that you desire to carry all of our weights for us. And so help us to give to you our cares. So Father, guide my thoughts and words, guide our hearts that we might receive your word with gladness and go out and live it. In your son's name I pray, amen. Our big idea is simply this. We remain faithful to Christ when we give our burdens to God. So far in the last few verses of chapter 4, our big idea has always been we stay faithful to Christ. We stay faithful to Christ by being joyful, by being reasonable last week, and this week it's by giving him our burdens. So first of all, we want to decode the situation. Why am I anxious? Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. You did such a good job earlier. I asked, how much of Scripture? And you said, all. What things are we supposed to worry about? Nothing, right? None, ever. And how many things do we worry about? Well, more than nothing, right? Even the most calm and laid back among us worries about something sometimes. Why do we worry? By definition, worry or anxiety is an apprehension that something bad is going to happen. How many of you are prophets and can foretell the future? Surprise, there isn't a smart aleck that says, well, I know I'm going to eat lunch later. You don't know 
you expect, and yet, by definition, our worry is some sort of thinking that we know what's going to happen next, and it's going to be bad. When things would break, my dad had a little song he'd sing. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. <laughs> that was neither here nor there. If we're going to decode the causes for our anxiety, it's not going to be because we have bad luck. Uh, we, need to, we need to actually take a step back and make an analysis. Sometimes we worry because of physical circumstances that we have no control over. Jesus gave us an example of this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, I'm going to read a, a few verses from, from his very famous sermon uh, talking about anxiety and worry. It's a lengthy passage, but I'll only read just part of it. Matthew chapter 6, I'll begin reading in verse 25. Jesus is speaking to the crowds. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And here's the key, right in verse 26. Are you not more valuable than they? The answer is yes. I'm more valuable to God than a bird, and God cares for the birds. Verse 27 of Matthew 6. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Which one of us, by worrying, can improve our life in even the littlest? Whether it's by adding an hour or adding uh, days to our life or, or being able to add value. How do we add value to our lives by worrying? We can't, right? That's what Jesus is saying. He goes on uh, later down in the passage after he explains a little bit more. Uh, verse 33 of Matthew 6. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All the things that you need for life, God is going to get, give you what you need. So what should we do? Rather than worrying about those, he says, in Matthew, he says, seek first the kingdom. He's saying pray. Saying, pursue God's purposes first. And then he closes in summary, verse 34 of Matthew 6. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus gave examples of food and drink, clothing, and even length of life, things that we worry about. These are subjects that we too might worry about, the needs of life and life itself. We cannot control these things, can we? The assumption in Jesus' sermon is not that you're just 
sitting there hoping God will feed you. Um, that's, that's not at all. The assumption is that uh, people are going through their normal activities of life that would normally provide for the needs of food and clothing, of drink and health. The reality is that the normal activities of life are not guaranteed to provide these needs. We're not guaranteed, are we? That's hard for us to understand, actually, because of where we live. We live in a very prosperous nation, and I mean, have you ever wondered where you're going to have food for the next day? And if you have, how many days did that actually go on? My children freak out if the refrigerator, if, if you open the refrigerator door and you see lots of light, it means it's mostly empty. They freak out, but we always have lots of food. The point is that rather than entrusting our efforts to provide for our needs, we entrust our needs to God. Seek His provision. Pray to your Heavenly Father. And when He does provide, be it through normal means or whether He provides supernaturally, thank Him because He's the one you are trusting in the first place. Sometimes we worry because of circumstances we cannot control, like whether we are able to keep our job, whether we're able to maintain our health to do our job to provide. Other times we worry not because circumstances are out of our control, but because we are just naturally prone to worry. In fact, people who are more prone to anxiety will be worried when there are literally no circumstances negative in their lives. I am sometimes that person. Some of you are too. For instance, you might be prone to the sin of worry if you don't eat enough food, but you consume a bunch of caffeine. Some of you like that? You've had a little too much caffeine, and, and you, you've got that jitter going on, and then you start worrying about things that really aren't an issue. And so you've kind of, you kind of brought it on yourself because you haven't taken care of your body. See, worry actually stems within our body. We think of it being a, a mind thing, but our mind is our brain, which is part of our body. You know that, right? And if our body isn't working right, we can be prone to worry. Or, or, or some people are extra anxious if they don't get enough exercise. If that's you, get up and go do something. Not right now, you can wait a little bit. Maybe it's when you don't get enough sleep. Again, that's for this afternoon. God's good gifts of sleep and proper diets and exercise are part of his way of keeping you from the sin of worry. We are commanded... Be anxious for nothing. And again, like I said earlier, what are the things that we worry about? It's more than nothing, isn't it? In today's verse, this verb translated as do not be anxious is written in the present 
tense, meaning it's a current process of happening. In other words, the command is geared toward our tendency to active worry. It's not just about uh, something, uh, something happens and, and you have that immediate tinge of fear. It, it's that you're taking something and you're mulling over it and worrying. It's a continuing process. And so we want to distinguish the sin. When does anxiety become sin in our lives? Why am I hanging on to anxiety? First, why am I anxious? Second, why am I hanging on to anxiety? Because the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. Folks that study these things have found that 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. That's a lot. I mean, if, if there was a lottery and you had an 85% chance of winning the lottery, you'd be playing that thing every day. It would no longer be gambling, would it? But this is 85% against. 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. In other words, we, when we worry, we spend an inordinate, inordinate amount of energy working out in our minds how this situation will turn into a disaster, and it never actually does. In other words, psychiatrists and psychologists, those people working along with statisticians, have figured out that worry is a waste. Well, you didn't need those degrees to know that. Because Scripture tells us, don't do it. Worry is a waste. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It leads to a waste of money and so forth and so on. And I've heard statistics like this for as long as I can remember. Perhaps you have as well. That the vast majority of things that I worry about will never happen. And you know what? Knowing that it's not going to happen has never stopped me from worrying. Maybe it has you. Good for you. It hasn't stopped me. Why? Because my sinful nature and our sinful nature is to look at circumstances and figure out how it could go wrong. When what we should be doing is trusting in our Father in these situations. I would describe worry or anxiety or whatever similar term you want to insert here, I would describe this as a, in a similar way as I would describe lust. If you are a man, for you to have lustful sexual thoughts or desires about anyone who is not your wife is sin. Right? And if you are a woman, it is sin to have sexual thoughts or desires about anyone who is not your own husband. And sometimes we have those lustful thoughts because we see an image in passing, right? Or, or, or we, we see a provocative advertisement or image, or we just happen to see someone and we have that moment of lust. How you respond in that instant makes all the difference. How quickly you can avert your eyes. How quickly can you change your attention? takes it from being a moment of temptation and then moving on, or it takes it from being a moment of temptation and turning it into sin because you've dwelled on it instead of leaving it. Anxiety works in much the same way. A situation arises that prompts that little fear in your heart 
And in that moment, you have that temptation to become anxious. The question is, in that moment, what will you do? Why am I anxious? Why am I hanging on to anxiety? Which leads us to the thrust of our passage. Will I trust Jesus with my anxiety? Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul uses three separate words to really drive home our need to give our anxiety over to God. Those words are prayer, supplication, and request. And as you read the verse, these three words might appear to be just redundant. And redundancy for the sake of emphasis is a legitimate use of language, but I, the, the nuances that are found in these words actually gives more emphasis rather than just repetition. Prayer. Prayer is, at its base, talking to God about anything, anything and everything. God designed us to be social and communicating beings, to be social with one another, to communicate with one another. Even uh, the most introverted among us needs to have some communication with people from time to time. They just need a break after, that's okay. But he created us not to just be social and communicative with each other, but to be social and to communicate with him. And that's what prayer is. When life is difficult, we have no problem telling others right? We have no problem grumbling and complaining to others. We'll talk about it at work all day. We'll tell others how lousy our day is. We'll call our friends. We'll post it on Facebook so anyone and everyone can see it, and they can commiserate with us. And which one of these outlets can actually fix our problem? Complaining to one another at work, at home, online. Does that ever fix it? Sure, venting can help, but sharing with others does nothing to actually remove the problem that has us worried. So talk to God instead. He gave us the ability to communicate with Him. So pray. Prayer is communicating with God. Supplication is a prayer that includes a request with a sense of urgency. That urgency is a key part of what stands out in the word supplication. And really, if whatever is pressing against us is causing distress to the point that we remain anxious, then it must be urgent. At least it's urgent in our eyes, and we need to take it to the Lord in prayer. That third word is requests. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. An actual better translation would be the word demands. 
The problem is not the definition of the word demands, it's our connotations, the way we feel about the word demands that makes it a poor choice for translation here because Paul is not using the word demands here in a negative sense like, a, like an impatient child demanding to be heard. But we're simply to ask for all these things that we need in our life. I, I need this. So why does Paul use this variety of words to get us to pray? Well, for emphasis, because we need concepts drilled into our skulls before they're going to take place. (coughs) More likely, the repetition is to drive home how much God wants us to depend on him. He does. He wants us to want him. He's not going to make us. So he puts... He puts these, these hard situations in life so that we will depend on him, so that we will turn to him. Last week, I made a point of emphasizing the sovereignty and providence of God, the, the goodness of God in our lives. And that fits here, too. Whatever difficulty we're going through, whatever it is that is inspiring anxiety in our lives, um, that's actually come from God, Right? Bad things in our life have actually come to us from God. Whatever hardship you are facing, God in his all-encompassing sovereignty and grace has brought it into your life. And we don't generally talk this way. We usually use terms like, well, God allowed something, and that's okay to say. But Job was pretty clear. Remember Job? He lost his family in one storm, all of his kids dead. He lost his wealth, his herds gone. He lost it all at once. And then to top it off, his wife who wouldn't die was a pain. (laughs) Right? And what did Job say? Job chapter 1, verses 21 and 22 Job says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Can you say that? The Lord has given me good days, and the Lord has given me hard days. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is in control of all things. He is all-knowing, He is all-powerful, and He cares for you. So when life is hard, that is a gift from God for you to trust Him more. So these words that Paul uses for prayer, prayer, supplication, requests, in the the middle of this prayer sandwich we have thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Being thankful to God is is more than simply being polite. Like you're sitting at the table and someone passes you the gravy, you say thank you. Okay, that's polite. Being thankful to God is more than simply being polite. Being thankful to God is a recognition of His provision in your life. When you are thankful to God, you are recognizing that God has provided. 
when you pray with thanksgiving, you are praying with the faith that your prayer will be answered, and so you're thanking him as such. Do you see that? That's what Paul's saying. Pray with thankfulness. Being thankful that God is going to answer your prayer in one way or another. So while you're unloading your burdens to the Lord and simultaneously thanking Him for taking care of those same burdens, you are exhibiting faith. Faith that indeed you will be taken care of and you need to worry no more. So how do we do this? Okay, I struggle with anxiety. I need to pray about it. Yes, I do. Scripture gives us examples, other ways of wording it to help us understand how we can give him our cares. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. In that psalm, he's saying that God is not going to let you get off track. Give him your burden. He will take care of you. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Peter links our humility, our surrender to Jesus, and our giving him of our cares. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because if Jesus, if God really is the, the one who provides all things, if he really is all-powerful, and yet I try to hang on to this little thing, this, this situation in my life that I'm trying to exert control over, and I can't, if I really believe that he is who he says he is, I'm going to give it to him because he can handle it. He wants to handle it. And he handles it in love for me. So do you believe that God loves you? Give him your worries. Do you believe that he's powerful to take care of you? Then give him your worries. Another passage, this one from the Old Testament, Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Now, there's no word there that means worry or sorrow or anxiety. But if we do this, if we commit our ways to him and trust him, will we be worried or anxious? No. I'm not going to stand here and tell you this is easy. It's not. But it's a discipline. It's a habit we need to build into our lives that when we struggle, when things are hard in our lives, that we turn them over to him. Rather than mulling over all the ways that this might hurt more later, that this might go south in our current parlance. Just give it to him. He wants to bear your burden for you. We remain faithful to Christ. We demonstrate our faithfulness to Christ when we hand over our burdens to him. 
So where are your concerns coming from? Don't just think about them. Write them down. Write down your sources of, of worry. Why are you hanging on to your cares? Is it because you believe that you can actually make a difference by worrying about it? Now, you know that doesn't make sense. But worry isn't logical anyway, is it? But the big question is, will you trust Jesus with your cares? Let's pray. Father, we are weak. We cannot handle so many things that come to us in life. And, and you designed life to be like that so that we would put our trust in you. Father, there are concerns that we have day in and out that, that we sinfully ponder and consider how things might go worse. Father, instead, help us to develop a habit of those concerns pressing us into you, that those concerns would drive us to our knees to pray. Because we know you want to answer these prayers. You want to lift our burden. You want to carry us through. So, Father, help us to cast our cares on you. And Father, help us to help others who are prone to discouragement and worry and stress and anxiety. Help us to come alongside them and, and even pray with them. Help them to to unload onto you so that they might receive the blessing of having their cares taken by their God and Savior. Father, our nature is to worry. Father, forgive us. Help us to turn our cares into an opportunity to pray and to watch you work on our behalf. So Father, work in us and through us as we, uh, as we seek to live out this verse this week. In your son's name I pray.